DWN 494. Let's start by my giving you good news and bad news. The bad news uh, is that it rained before. On the other hand, uh, this you are members of the first Writers' Conference, which has had a thunderstorm in June. Put that in your memory book. And uh, we hope it uh, water the lawns a little bit. The good news is that uh, this is the last time you will have to see me until tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, we give out awards. And uh, uh, those of you who are well enough uh, should be here at 9 o'clock. And uh, we will try to get you out of here by 10.30, as close to that as we can. Depends on how many um, awards Barnaby brings from his house. Uh, when we run out of awards, the ceremony's over. And uh, you're supposed to check out at 11, and we all go into our iron lungs immediately after that. Uh, a note of clarification. The photos out in the lobby that are displayed on the sign, on the, uh, the big boards, are for sale. Uh, this is not just display material. Dibley Hoyt, who uh, is our demon photographer, uh, takes the pictures, puts them up, and sells prints for 350 and if you're dis disturbed at all by the picture of yourself you can buy the negative and burn it uh, and the negative is another 350 uh, but uh, the nice thing about it is that Dibley who is a professional photographer and obviously very rich uh, has said that everything that he takes in over and above the actual cost of materials, he will donate to the Writers' Conference Scholarship Fund. So uh, if you've been toying with the idea of buying that picture, which makes you look so beautiful, buy it. Uh, it may send some needy writer to the conference next year. Next item. Uh, our guest speaker tonight has said that after his lecture, uh, what am I saying? Uh, he will, he, he, <laughs> forgive me, uh, uh, he will be happy to sign copies of his book out at the Earthling bookstand. Uh, they have 5,000 copies of his book. <laughs> So multiple purchases are very much desired. Jonathan needs the money, and Earthling needs the money, and uh, he has a strong right hand. Uh, speaking of books, uh, one of the tragedies of our present conference is that Barnaby Conrad's book, Matador, which, as you know, uh, has been reprinted and was scheduled to arrive here on Tuesday, has not yet arrived. Uh, 
I have the feeling that this is one of the tragedies because almost everybody here would have, I think, loved to have taken a copy of this book home, signed by Barnaby. We, as Barnaby said to me before, he is reasonably sure that the books will arrive in bulk tomorrow at noon. Uh, what you can do, however, if you, if you want a copy, is give Penny Davies at the Earthling County your name and address, and uh, she will, after the books come in, arrange that you shall receive an autographed copy. How she plans to handle that, I have no idea. But uh, she doesn't want money now. She will take your name and address and apparently trust you or send it COD, or I don't know. But uh, if you want a, an autographed copy of Barnaby's book, which uh, will be delivered here as you leave, uh, we, we will arrange to get it to you. And he too needs the money, so you know, be charitable. Those of the writers who have uh, books on consignment at the book stand, please uh, pick up your checks tonight before you leave. Uh, Penny is ready for you, and uh, you can take your books and checks. Um, I think that um, takes care of me. I will see you uh, at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, and I am happy, proud, privileged, and a little nervous about turning the microphone over at this point uh, to Barnaby. Thank you. We've had some wonderful successes with students at the Writers' Conference over the 16 years. One of our great failures has been Jonathan Winters. He. He came to me almost a year ago, and so much for writers' conferences, and so much for the so-called experts, and if you got a bad review during this last week, here's why not to brood over it. He came to me because he thought he could get an honest answer, and I gave him the most honest answer that I could. He showed me a bunch of short stories that he's written, and I put my hand and I said, back to Las Vegas. I said, this, I said, Jonathan, I'm not going to even read the short stories. They may be good. They may be better than O. Henry. They may be better than Joyce Carol Oates. You cannot get them published. And if they get published, it's only a courtesy that the publisher gives to William Styron so that they can get his novel. They will never publish it. And secondly, it will never sell. It sold 240,000 copies last year, gone into paperback. And he didn't even dedicate it to me. Seriously, we're so lucky to have him here uh, after his tremendous success, 14 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. He thinks every first writer of short stories achieves this in his naivete. It is wonderful. We rejoice in his success. And we have had, because apart from his uh, book and his 
paintings. He's an excellent painter. He's coming out with a book this fall called Hangers. I thought Off the Wall was better, and he thought Off the Wall was better as a title, but the publishers decided to call it Hangers. It's a beautiful cocktail table book of his paintings because uh, he's one of the most talented human beings I've ever met, and one of them is he's an excellent, if weird, painter. <laughs> and he's given so much joy to the world with his laughter and his talent and his generosity as a person, as a, so many of you know who've encountered him on the back alleys of Santa Barbara, uh, the purlieus of Santa Barbara, and in, at the Writers' Conference for several years, we've had a special medallion struck for him, and I would like to present it to him now, Jonathan Winters. Jonathan, we give this to you with the respect and love of fellow writers. Stand away so they can see you open it. They couldn't get the medallion in time. <laughs> Thank you, though. Uh, don't anybody go after that right now, because uh, I do want to keep it as a memory, empty memory. Uh, I want to thank uh, everybody. That way, to my knowledge, uh, no one is offended. Because when you start to single out people, men and women alike, uh, there's always someone uh, that comes, Why didn't you mention my name? I put the committee together. I'm Mrs. Helen Delacroix. You know, I'm fifth-generation Californian. And I said to the woman, You must be Mexican. Uh, she fled in a Rolls Royce. I, uh, I've been coming to the... Uh, conference, I guess, uh, about five years, something like that. And I, needless to say, uh, learned an awful lot. Um, I think, I, without a doubt, uh, I'm sure it was coming to this conference and going to the classes, uh, seeing the, uh, and listening to the teachers and uh, to those people uh, that are studying writing and all forms and kinds of writing that uh, I finally decided that uh, that I was, I was getting old, and um, not that I was afraid, I was petrified uh, of dying because I, somebody said the other day a, a very wonderful thing, there are not too many U-Hauls behind a hearse. Uh, you just don't take it with you. <laughs> but I'm going to take my book with me. I want him to see it. <laughs> Uh, as I always say, he had a lot to do with it. <laughs> but I, uh, I do consider myself I, uh, not the greatest writer in the world. I, I don't profess to be. I never will be. There are many men and, and many women and children that are uh, 
way, way ahead of me. I'm just satisfied to have gotten that little book out. It's, um, I think all of us that have had anything published at any time, uh, most of my artwork uh, was put up on a refrigerator <laughs> in my own house by me. And my writings, I, I read to myself over and over again, and I graded myself, and a lot of the, uh, my characters, uh, are, are my fantasy friends, are wonderful because they agree with me. And uh, although I've been married 40 years, uh, my girlfriend, of course, is the woman I'm married to. She couldn't be here this evening. Um, she'd heard the stories so many times. She said, don't make me go to it. <laughs> so, uh, I left her chained to a very chic chair in our living room. We're not into whips and chains, but uh, occasional chocolate pudding. Rub it through her hair and say, get ready. No, <laughs> um, oh, I, I, I... My children are here tonight, and I... God bless them, they're with a nurse. Four and six. <laughs> you know, it's fun to go to a party or any place and to meet a lady or a man, and, and they many times will say, do you have children? And many times I will say yes. <laughs> uh, do you have pictures of them? No. <laughs> uh, I don't feel that's necessary. I have the... They're in my heart and in my mind rather than bring out the wallet and have to... And sometimes they're not there. There are other papers. And, uh, but I, I said to a woman the other day at a cocktail party, she said, how old are your children? And I said, four and six. I see. Which, uh, interestingly enough, uh, many people say, that's well, all right, you know. He probably is still fairly potent. Uh, they always look to your wife and my wife is uh, is young uh, but she's not that young and uh, I said uh, they were both cesarean and uh, but uh, actually my daughter's 30 be 32 in July and my boy whew, is 38 um, but I'm very proud of my children. I, uh, I won't go into a long thing because I, I find myself, uh, as, as Barnaby says, in the alleys and on the freeways talking about my parents. And, and that's, I have to do an autobiography one of these days and talk about them. And I don't want it to be, and it won't be, I promise, um, certainly uh, my immediate family and what readers I have out there, it's not going to be a mommy dearest type of thing or daddy dearest. Uh, they were just two people that apparently lost touch after the polo game. <laughs> and um, my father, although um, I was born in Ohio, my, my, my son was born in Ohio, and um, my mother was born in Springfield, and my dad was born in Dayton, I was born in Dayton, my boy born in Dayton. And uh, an interesting thing about alcohol, which I'm not going to get into that either, or either, whatever, you can take it either where you want. I don't want to be corrected here by any speech teachers. It's either, you know. Uh, when you're drinking, it doesn't make you just whatever I was doing. Um, but my dad, having had, Barney and I talk about this uh, usually at lunches, that whether I pick them up or he does, that make a difference. We talk about Yale because he, to my knowledge, finished at Yale. Is that right, Barney? Oh, good. 
I guess he's on his way out. Uh, but a lot of guys at Yale, it's interesting. Uh, my father was this way when he was drinking, and when he was sober, it was according to what was going on. He was a stockbroker, and they, they do have to shift around. You people are in securities and stocks. Um, I, I met a guy one day who wrote a book uh, called uh, Funny Money, and uh, it was about uh, losing in the market, which is, uh, it was hilarious. You know, for for six ninety five or something, it's not bad, but the book was twenty nine ninety five. And he said, well, I just think it's a fun book. I just had a goddamn good time just kind of putting this thing together and having all but lived on Wall Street and uh, watching things from General Motors uh, on to Pan American disintegrate in front of my eyes. Uh... I don't know where those guys are from, uh, but uh, it's, it's like I, I love Buckley. I know he was here last year. I missed him. I, I was away, as they say. Um, in our family, that means treatment for Uncle Eddie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't getting electrical boats, but I love a good storm, you know. <coughs> oh, 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 yeah. Goes right through your pants into your head everywhere, you know. I've always said my wife is criticized. I take your pictures, that's okay. <laughs> Leather pants. <laughs> Been to Spain. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, uh, I, uh, this camera was made in Utica. Uh, at any rate, I, I, uh, wherever I was, <laughs> the mind, I always love those terms that I guess we, we, they've talked about here at the conference, the left brain and the right brain. That's a terrible thing to split the brain down to that, you know, just cut it in half and say the right brain and the left brain. I just, uh, I'm just very thankful that it's resting in unusual water. <laughs> uh... When I was in the... Oh, yes, thank you. I recognize you from my unit. Uh, thank you for bringing me back. <laughs> uh, I was talking about Buckley. I, I missed seeing Mr. Buckley, uh, William Buckley. And uh, many of us, uh, I would hope, have seen him on Firing Line. And uh, it is his own show, and he does very well. And that's the trick of having your own show. You always do well. Uh, you can get rid of the other guy, edit him out, or leave him in. Whatever you want to do, you know, well, we'd like to have seen more of so-and-so. Oh, I didn't want him in. Um, but being a guy who just eat through high school, oh, yeah. But then Jefferson didn't have to go at all. Remember that. Educational system wasn't set up at that time. Oh, uh, he just had little books to go by and, hey, gave us the, you know, the Constitution Declaration, a number of things, and uh, didn't have a Pentel, you know, rights. Well, I always figured since I was dumb, I could look to others who were smart, and, and still the educational thing would weigh itself out. I, uh, I, oh, my God. Oh, that'll get the whole curtain. I think the line is, let the games begin. Erdius rectus portus, nodius lament sentes, 
I fail Latin, by the way. It's a dead language. I don't find uh, saying hick, hike, hoke, you can't do that at the pharmacy. But I was assured when I was taking Latin that I would use it sooner or later. They were wrong again. Hmm? Yes, thank you. You wonder why you weren't in the dedication. Uh, I am trying to protect Mr. Buckley because the slides didn't pay off. Uh, but it is interesting to uh, listen to Mr. Buckley and only a short thing, and then we'll be away from uh, any more cries of that. Uh, but knowing his great facet for his words are just incredible. And that, you know, if he's asked about something like an electrical storm. It's just, uh, to him, it's, well, there's very time. When we, when we think of an electrical storm, we think of a, a, a almost universal kind of Christian Judaic kind of atmospheric conditions that are, 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 include almost a memorabilia of time. I, I can't define what's happening in the heavens, but what's happening in Washington is even more chaotic. Uh, I think I think if we can talk on it later, a meteorologist would be, 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 be or, or just an Indian, uh, a good American Indian to bring water to Clyde, Ohio. But at any rate, that would be my Buckley thing. Um, I wanted to talk briefly, uh, as it were, uh, on some of the titles. Mine included um, that uh, people uh, use or have used, are using for their books. Uh, and going over here, here's one called Golden Fire. And uh, I would have thought it was just that, just probably a good old golden fire. But once I saw the cover, uh, people were joined, and uh, <laughs> it's a book on sex. So you can't judge a book by its cover. Uh, this, uh, this is a, a great title, um, Imagining Argentina. Uh, when, have you read that? Oh, that's too bad. Uh, well, uh, you seem happy, and probably after this is over, you'll get it. Imagining Argentina. Uh, the Rattlesnake and Roses. Now, I understand the book is doing very well. I know the last time I put my hand uh, in the Rose Garden, I was bitten badly uh, by a child. And so the rattlesnake and roses that would throw me, uh, making believe, that's the story of my whole life, just making believe, and making believe that you're here or there, or making believe, whatever. Um, how to... Uh, how to Write Erotica. Miss Frickert, what would you say to that? I can only say this. I'm 87 years old now. I was 86 last year. My mind is always there. I have been married about nine times, and I've finished the book on how to write erotica. A boy... Well, he was 46, stuck his tongue in my ear, and I heard for the first time. 
I don't want to go into more because then we'll all be excited. Matador, I know that I couldn't leave this hall without mentioning Barnaby Conrad's uh, book on Matador. Um, this man is truly one of the gifted, most gifted people I've known. We throw our accolades back and forth. But I stand in his shadows. I really do. I To go out there into the center, you know, if you've ever been to a bullfight, I, I've been to a lot of them. And um, I was amazed, uh, as I'm sure Barney was, and he's known a number of matadors, uh, Belmonte, Arusa, uh, Dominguin, Ordonez, only to mention a few. Uh, I was always looking at the ladies with the huge combs. And, you know, So I miss the bullfighters. Um... They're very small and deserve to be killed. Um, <laughs> small people should not fight that size uh, animal. Really, I would never go up against an elephant. You know, <laughs> over. Only people from India. Here, I can control it. It's not you're not a problem with the elephant. He is so much fun. You're not to pull him. Don't pull him that way. That's his tail. No, no, that's not his tail. Oh, oh, you pulled the wrong thing. He's smiling for the first time. And imagine he just eats peanuts through his nose. Um, well, at any rate, I, uh, I know that Barney, again with his book, will do so well. I, I've been, I guess, one of my biggest thrills with regard to... Uh, Matador, or, or and certainly the the matadors and and the bulls and what have you. I I saw um, a bullfight in Madrid. I guess that's the place. Tijuana is good, but that I always figured in Tijuana you knew you had to go back to the base. And uh, there's something about going back to San Diego, which is a great city. Don't misunderstand. Lovely city. I was there. Uh, I was asked not to leave. Uh, for a period of five years, and uh, we were on an exercise, <laughs> getting to know each other. Hey, you stand over there, asshole. You know, and, uh, uh, but uh, many of the men were illiterate, and uh, they were in charge, and that's what bothered me. <laughs> Be prepared to die. <laughs> and, of course, I've always been prepared to die. Um... The thing is, uh, it's the place. I think it's important. I, I don't care how I die. I, I do want to die in a chic area. And uh, I just don't want to die in, in, a, in a lousy street, you know, or, where people say, what's it all about? What is he doing? Get his watch. <laughs> Which is a joke. It's a Seiko. Um, I would like to get into the meat of the program. I see we're getting away from ourselves. Oh, my gosh, it's only 8.30. Um, it's always rude to look at your watch. You can look, but I can't. I'm so good. This, I'm going to hold this up as if we were going away for, you know, to hit a beach, as we used to say. Everything was, gentlemen, if I could have your attention. You. 
Now can I have your attention? Um, I was in that kind of an outfit. I, I was always asking such a simple question. Where are we, sir? What do you care? We have a job to do. Well, as long as we have a job to do, where are we? I'd like to know what we're going to do. It's what they're going to do to us. Who are they? Oh. These are people that are going to buy Boise, Idaho. Uh, see, I've never understood. I know the guys coming back from Vietnam was a terrible war and a lousy, rotten war. Any war is rotten. The war, actually, is, uh, is before you go and after you come back. See, the middle part of it is uh, you're occupied. Usually with a funny book, picture of mom and dad when they were young, your savior, and uh, letters that were written by a girl didn't want to go with you anyway. <laughs> but I just, uh, I don't know, I, I thought I defeated these people. At the time, I was told to and uh, the Japanese, and I know they've gone through an incredible amount of problems, the land taken, I'm fully aware of everything. Today, uh, gosh, big chunk of Hawaii. Uh, that means swim over here. God, downtown Seattle, gone. Uh, there are a lot of places, but that's okay. Hey, maybe that's the way it was meant to be. Maybe we got greedy. You know, you talk to an American Indian, He's lost all 50 states. Uh, that's okay. I have a book coming out on that. Uh, uh, any rate, I wanted not to get serious here because I know people say, Oh, hey, please don't get into heavy subjects. Mm. Uh, which is true. I, as far as my subjects go, they never get that heavy. It's sort of like a, a fighter, light heavy, light heavyweight, you know, which is good at all. They... You know, I must tell you a little miniature story about fighting. I, I, uh, I always wanted to fight my dad. That sounds strange, doesn't it? I think a lot of young boys do, and then they grow up and they realize they shouldn't. And, of course, if dad was a pug or an ex-fighter, he would have killed me, cold-cocked me, as we used to say. Uh, dad was five, eight and a half. I could have dropped him a number of times, and I didn't. Uh, but uh, I fought a guy in the service. I'm not going to go into a long story because many of you are not fight fans, I can tell. And uh, I'm not that big a fight fan anymore myself because to see a guy with all of his eyebrows, you know, uh, pasted on and um, a lot of the dialogue is, what a great night. I want to thank uh, St. Ignatius for letting me box there in the basement. I want to I say hello to Madeleine. She's my wife, uh, uh, second wife, and a real good woman. And say, watch me fight. You know, it's a, a very tragic uh, Man has $36 million and can't read or write. Uh, so usually a CPA takes him for everything. Um, and I can read and write, and the CPA is taking me. But I was in demolition. I can blow the building up in Century City. Uh, at any rate, this, is, this was given to us, all of us. Now, you people uh, that weren't at the workshops, this might not mean anything to you. That's why I want to bring this up. Uh, many of you have come from God knows where. Why is he bringing that up? Uh, because I was here uh, in the workshops, and it's important. And these people that have to go back will, will take an even greater message with <laughs> This is the program. Some of it's upside down. 
because of the way it's folded now. Then we have this section. This is the important section for all the writers, uh, both men and women alike, because this is when everything started and now everything has stopped. It's all over and we'll be going either by Amtrak or bus, your own car. Maybe you've been lucky enough to met a strange man here or an even stranger woman. Who cares about writing? I love you. Uh, they're married in Oxnard because they can't keep their clothes on. So, actually her home is in Albuquerque. <laughs> I'm not going to tell mom. So, I thought I'd discuss uh, some of the workshops that I observed and what the, uh, I'm going to put my glasses on uh, only because I can't see without them. Somebody said I should wear contacts, and, but a lot of people, it's just the idea of doing this. Oh, crap, where is it? Oh, oh. And uh, these, twelve ninety-five. Just stand and put them on. Hey, there's work. Okay, read. Here's, uh, for instance, I was in a, and you can take them off. It just makes me feel important, you know, the guy. Most writers do this anyway. Hello, how are you? You always have a pipe. Now that cancer is so prevalent, uh, you can't have the pipe anymore. It's a shame. Uh, at any rate, in, in the poetry class, I just mention these as we go. Uh, a typical teacher, uh, I say typical, that's unfair, uh, a teacher. And we won't mention names because I don't need any suits at this stage in my life. Uh, this is poetry. I'm Howard Ashburn. And welcome to my class. I've written 37 books. Two were accepted. Uh, most of them are university type of books. All on poetry. Yes, yes. And now, uh, yes, uh, as this class starts, uh, Mary, uh, your name, uh, dear, I remember meeting you as you stepped through the glass door. Uh, <laughs> wait till it's open. Uh, your name, dear? I'm, uh, I'm Melissa Hargrave, and I've written this poem. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, dear. It's called Off-Ramp. <laughs> see the cars go down the way and see them travel here and there? See the cars, the big trucks and everything? Would you speak up, dear? Speak up? Jesus. See the cars go on the ramps and then all the cars and trucks and everything. Animals dead in the highway and down there finally they go on the off ramp. Lovely poem. You have to be a poet or a teacher or a pupil to understand. Um... My good friend, I, I, I think I hopefully can mention his name. I've made a lot of friends. I, I don't live up here permanently for a lot of reasons. I'm paranoid. Uh, tonight was an electrical storm. I am afraid of the big earthquake. and oh, A few people <laughs> fried me relatives. So I kind of go between cities. But uh, one of the guys I've met up here, I, 
Barney uh, one, of course, and uh, uh, Ian Bernard, who has taught an excellent shop as far as I'm concerned. They're all excellent people. I don't, again, you know, stupid and single out people because they, you didn't mention me, and I teach a very good class, and I'm way ahead of you in almost every way. So uh, I'd like to mention Ian Bernard, who himself, a very attractive man, <laughs> and uh, looks like the illegitimate son of Charles Ruggles. Many of us don't remember that. Always kid him about that. Maybe people say, who is Charles Ruggles? Well, you'd have to be 62 at least to remember who Charles Ruggles is, but he was a wonderful actor, a very funny, delightful, comedic actor. Uh, but Ian uh, teaches an excellent class on humor and about writing. And uh, many times starts out and, uh, well, we're, first of all, he has a total of 65 teeth here. <laughs> Mustache covers a lot of them, but, you know, humor is just what it says it is. It's humor. It's humor. It's humor. That's funny. And it's fun to write. And I, I, I want you guys to get things down and take notes and everything. And then, I, and I, have you written a funny story? I'm sorry, your name? Isaac Bedlow. Ah, uh, good. Now, here's a funny guy, a funny name. And uh, I, no, no offense, but just uh, whatever you've written. Uh, uh, Isaac, is it? Yeah. Well, just, just read some of it. Uh, how many pages do you have? About 29. Read two. I didn't come down from Tacoma, damn it. To read just two pages. <laughs> read as much as you wish. <laughs> my brother and I, my brother and I was on a very tall building in the heart of the city. Him and me had been working for Munson Construction Company for over a period of 27 years. He had bad breath, but he was my brother, and we was both Christians. I kidded him about the, about the basketball team and also baseball team, that they wasn't going nowhere. He stood up, kicked his lunchbox off number 3-7 piece of iron, and then fell to his death. That was really funny, and thank you so much. you got to understand, I didn't like my brother. Um, Self-publishing is something that always fascinated me. I wonder why I went to Random House when it says here you can publish your own things. I knew a brother, McGavern who was a wonderful priest, um, published his own, his own book. Uh, it was never read by anybody except him. So self-publishing tells me, I, I said, surely, you, you know, you gave it to the church and even the brothers in the, in the monastery read the thing. No, they didn't. He was from Ireland and, of course, heavy into the sauce. Uh, I'm, I'm half Irish, so uh, it, it, the Irish do have a problem. The American Indian and the, and the Irish. The Irish don't like to admit it, and they tell you the, the whole... Uh, I, I haven't been to Ireland, in fairness. I'm sure there are a number of people will stand up, and please don't at this time, uh, because it only makes a fool of me. Uh, I love the Irish. You know, my, 
my mother-in-law, I'm not going to get into a long thing on the Isle, the Emerald Isle. It can't be all bad, you know, the wearing of the green. And uh, I, I, I started out drinking shaving lotion. And, of course, it was, it was Menon's, you know, just... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, at any rate, um, my mother-in-law, uh, who is from Ashland, Kentucky, strange kind of Irish lady, uh, has a strong feeling for the IRA. And uh, I didn't know it was that worldwide. You know, it was just pretty much in Ireland. Uh, but she sends money to the IRA. And I said, well, that's good, because at Christmas time, those clowns go in and machine gun people in Harrods, and uh, that's not good. And I said, have you ever been to Ireland? She said, yes, I have. And she's a professional Ashland, Kentucky, Irishman, the worst kind, and uh, picked up an accent, which, uh, by way of Berlitz Records, and... Uh, well, I, I didn't want to get into a long thing about her because she's a long way off. God bless her. She's in, where is she? Um, well, she's in, in Nevada City right now. I, I do kid her, and I, I'm one of, the, one of the remaining son-in-laws that, you know, they counted me out early. And uh, the wedding was something. I always remember the wedding. I think most people do. You know, many times it's over right after the wedding because uh, the woman tears her clothes off. Oh, God! <laughs> and the guy is fairly well together. I was fairly well together that day. I, I was bronzed and tan. My hair was a lot thicker. And, jeez, uh, my face was just chiseled at a 32 waist. And uh, lots of things were happening for me. And uh, I, I was very active, driving from Dayton to Cincinnati, just all over the car in the back seat. And my poor wife, oh, 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 oh. many of them are afraid. Uh, I was afraid after the honeymoon, you know. And my, my sweet lady I'm married to always says, you know, is that all you think about? Mm-hmm. That's right. Some guys, all they think about is getting some new radials, you know. I can't help that. Uh, what's that? Oh, yes. Well, I, I, I realize that self-publishing to me, uh, uh, are you in self-publishing? Oh, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, I think that um, trying to do your own book in, in itself is extremely difficult. So then to publish it yourself, I would imagine uh, can be even tougher. Um, I wouldn't touch that. I, screenwriting, of course, uh, goes without saying. All these mystery stories, mystery stories. I, I, I must give you what I consider to be a fair tip. And I, I want if you're taking notes, I see none, nobody is. Uh, I've been in those kind of classes myself. You know, they think it'll come to you afterwards, and it doesn't. Um, obviously, some things haven't come to me. <laughs> That's okay. Um, in getting, uh, in, in talking about uh, mystery stories, I think that one thing you can do, uh, I could, I personally could help you with, if you'd want to come to my room, I'm in 316. Uh, men come later. <laughs> Maybe after they've uh, done whatever they have to do. Um, in mystery stories, I sound like a teacher and I'm not, but what, what do we think of? We think of a mystery. And... Uh, you can almost tie that together with a horror story. So the thing to do is to act out for the class or the teacher, better for the teacher because the class 
many times aren't paying that much attention because they're getting ready to tell their story. Uh, I think if you start out by saying, and we always want to get the attention of the reader, that's very important. I've read a lot of, oh, God, fantastic books, and uh, it wasn't until about the 78th page it started to move. Uh, and then you read that it's a bestseller, and uh, the guy is uh, comparable to somebody like uh, Michener, you know. Um, but uh, that always kind of threw me. I think that right off the bat, and I think that if you're writing a mystery, have the beast uh, not just knock at the door, because that telegraphs it. Have him seated at the table. <laughs> and uh, the little boy says, uh, you know, a, a standard, what's happened to Uncle Eddie? Well, of course, Uncle Eddie uh, is not too articulate because while he was up in the bathroom trying to get a fix, he'd been here to the pharmacy and gotten some standard commercial medicine. didn't work. And uh, there's a full moon. That, that's always good to pan up to that, you know, through the dining room scene up to dun, 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 stinger music. And uh, then these people, maybe six or eight at the uh, dinner table, and here's Uncle Eddie. <coughs> that sets the scene. And uh, it's whether you continue to serve him his salad or skip dessert, <laughs> because he may uh, eat everyone. So that's my idea of a good mystery story, is to get right with it in the first page. Uncle Eddie ate everybody at the table and left the bib lettuce. Uh, this is probably another of the many reasons why I'm not into mystery stories at this time. <laughs> Science fiction is a great way to go. I had a man not too long ago, um, he was sitting next to me. I can never seem to get a pretty lady. I think a lot of guys and a lot of ladies have a legitimate, you know, argument there. I never get, I always, I don't even, I, I would settle in a strange way for Steve Stunning. You know, somebody, hi, I must have left my Gucci luggage on top of the plane. Um, it's usually a guy with a bad Masonic ring and nose hairs, you know, <laughs> black straw. Oh, yeah. So uh, I, I never get the, the pretty lady. And usually it's a long flight, you know, three and a half hours in almost any direction these days because they sit down 16 places before you get there. But uh, at any rate, we were he asked me, uh, I guess, uh, you know, when you've had problems of any kind, then they... they seek you out and want to use you to find out, you know, why you're out and why you've been excused from your torture at Camarillo. Um, so uh, I'm sitting there and we're waiting for takeoff and I told him, I, I, I say the Lord's Prayer, I wasn't kidding him. Well, that's another thing, you're explaining yourself as we go and at 62, I shouldn't have to explain myself anymore. A woman said to me the other night, I can't tell whether you're kidding or not. And I said, what is your husband like? Well, he's a very fine man. He's second in command at Wells Fargo. I said, is he still jump on the horse? Here we go. Uh, oh, no, no. I mean the bank itself. They don't have the horses anymore. Mmm. <laughs> Surely you're kidding. <laughs> and he was seven feet tall. Don't make fun of my wife. He <laughs> was in credit. Well... At any rate, the guy getting back to the science fiction thing, sitting uh, to my left, after we have take off and I'd finished my prayers, because um, I am, I'm very scared. I, 
I don't care what people think. I haven't gotten as far as the coach, uh, whatever his name is, the clown that, and there are a lot of people that have to take the train going, you know, anywhere they go. I, I'm not that far gone. I, I did that once. I took um, the super chief from uh, San Diego to Chicago or L.A. or Chicago, what used to be called the super chief. It took them uh, 18 days to get there. Uh, they hadn't finished a lot of the track. We went off into small towns. But it, uh, it does, in the long run, it pays to fly. It's, it's a lot more comfortable, except, except electrical storms and, <coughs> oh, jeez. And uh, all those bags come out, you know, oh, oh, oh. And people get that look. They always, oh, oh. <laughs> Not my coat. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, getting back to whatever we're getting back to, um, so, yeah, science, science, I know, I know, I know. Um, science fiction, the guy turned to me and he said, uh, Jonathan, you usually tell, I can, uh, whether the man has had a bad fall. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Jonathan, it is Jonathan Winter, and that, well, it's Jonathan Winters, actually. Yeah, put an S on, just for me, because we're going all the way to Minneapolis. <laughs> and in case we have to go down in a lake, remember, you go first down the chute. <laughs> and I always wear heavy shoes, so I can, <clears throat> um, the guy said, uh, you know, you have a weird mind. Now, you see, when you say that to a person like me, I don't know what he's talking about. My mind isn't weird to me. His is very commercial. And uh, he said, you know, I've seen you on TV, and I heard you on radio and things, and I've seen you live. And, you know, you've did things that are about, you know, flying saucers and everything. And do you believe that crap? See, this is just perfect for me. Not all of us have the big glass heads. It was re-entry that really shook us up. And we didn't believe the carrier would be there in time. How does that mean? See, that throws him. <laughs> mm, those are all things that we've seen, heard on the television. I said, uh, very profound thing. I thought it was very profound, whether you, you, you can dismiss this. I said, uh, he said, well, I don't believe in any of that crap. Later on, after six drinks, it became another word. Um, I don't believe in any of that crap. I said, well, don't repeat yourself. Um, doesn't make any difference whether you believe in flying saucers or not. You mustn't go by E.T. You mustn't go by the aliens or that. That's all Hollywood. No, I said, you must say to yourself, you must ask yourself this question. Did you believe in the U-2 until it was shot down? Hmm. When Mr. Powers went in, there had to do some explaining by Mr. Eisenhower. From there, we went to the SR-71. And right now, that's all I can tell you. Uh, but uh, at any rate... It's fun to write about science fiction. I love it. I, I think probably one of the great writers uh, in science fiction today uh, is Stephen King. A pretty far out guy, but certainly one of the most prolific and well-known people of that our time, for that matter. Um, there are lots of things to, uh, to talk about. Autobiography, they've been on me to, uh, to write an autobiography. I assume that means about yourself. Uh, how quick of me. But uh, 
I don't know. I may uh, work it a different way and uh, probably maybe through the eyes of my grandfather. That gets me off the hook. And because uh, I have to talk about my dad and my mom. But it's, uh, it's interesting in a class, you'll say, uh, the, the teacher, you know, I'm Mr. Bristler, and I have written a number of autobiographies. Uh, a number one about myself. That was years ago, and I was coming over the Donner Pass as a child. And uh, we ate one another, you know, in order to get to Sacramento. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But I now have been sitting down and uh, working with young people like yourselves to fill out or put together their autobiography. Uh, you, sir, would you care to read, uh, just read about four or five pages. We try to move the thing around, you know, the classes, so that everybody gets a chance to to read what they have to do. And then, yeah, okay, go ahead. And your name? Uh, my name is uh, Bryce uh, Ledler. <laughs> I've written this autobiography. It's uh, about my family. Uh, it, it just isn't about me. I had three brothers and a half-sister. I should open the book by... I, I, perhaps I'm giving it away too quickly. Oh, no, give it away as fast as you can here. Uh, uh, the book starts by... Mama was sitting in the wicker chair in the old summer house. And Mama was sitting in the old wicker chair as the book opens. I was a baby. I was the youngest of uh, five. One passed uh, over uh, some other time. I don't know. I was away at school when the other one passed over. And uh, Mama was a big woman. She was 267 pounds. Yeah. But uh, she wasn't always that way. She, she would go to town. She was a diabetic. And uh, she would eat over 200 boxes of C's candy over a weekend because Dad watched ball games. And uh, it was shortly after I became two years old that Mama fell on Dad and killed him. <laughs> Dad was 156, as I recall. But she stretched him out to an all-time high, you know. <laughs> Well, of course, these are the kind of autobiographies that really aren't picked up by many people. I, uh, I just, I want to close by, by saying to all of you, the big thing is, uh, Barney, uh, and rightfully so, and a number of other people that I can mention, uh, I, I can certainly uh, take criticism uh, the one thing I can't take, uh, criticism is different from rejection. Think about that. Well, they're different words. They mean the same thing, but... Uh, rejection is a bad word. It's very tough for any of us to take at any time. You know, how many times I've stood there at a doorway, you know, when I was single uh, 200 years ago, and said, God, Emily, I'd really like to kiss you goodnight. I'm sorry, not tonight. Maybe another night. No, why not tonight? Do you think because you took me to Burger King, that's what it's all about? No, no, that's not what it's all about. I'd just like to kiss you. Let me hold on to you. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I'm always in the produce end of it, you know. And, uh, 
I, I forget about that. No, seriously. Whatever you do, it's one thing to carry it here. It's another thing to carry it there. Well, what you got to do is it doesn't have to be a sterling silver pen. It doesn't have to be a LeBlanc, which is something like $280. It, uh, it doesn't have to be a tape recorder. People will say, get yourself a very good tape recorder. Get yourself a secretary. You get yourself, this is what I wrote my book in, a sketchbook. And in art school, I didn't listen to them. They said, if you're going to be an artist, whether you're going to be a professional, whether you're going to be a painter, a sculptor, whatever, get yourself a sketchbook. Because you're going to a lot of places, maybe you don't want to lug that camera around. This is the easiest thing to carry. Whatever you do, whatever kind of pen, tape recorder, or sketchbook, put it down. Put it down. Don't get talked out of it. Remember, the guy wrote the book that time is not necessarily on your side. Time is all we have. And that is all we have. I found that out just up here at the funny firehouse on February and dropped and things stopped for about eight seconds and that was enough for me. I didn't see the man. I don't remember by, uh, saying much of anything other than a fireman who was a very attractive man. And... Uh, Oh, he looked real good to me, you know. I said, don't kiss me, I'm all right now. Um, but the thing is, put it down now. Parents will say to you, and teachers, husbands, wives, I really don't care for it. What you've read here <laughs> is crap, it's trash. Uh, what do you expect to do with it? Who would buy this stuff? That's when you have to detour. You've got to go around them. They may not like you for it, but if it sells, they'll embrace you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, I guess we're not going to the bathroom after all. I... <laughs> Christian scientists never go. It's all in the mind. Uh, I guess uh, for me, that's about all I can tell you. I, I do want to say this, that, um, you know, we all try to basically, uh, if there's any feelings at all, and there are a lot of feelings, is to encourage that person that you're, you're next to. Uh, if it's your husband, it's your husband. If it's your wife, it's that lady that you've lived with. Uh, my, uh, 
my kids I'm so proud of. I didn't get that kind of recognition. I don't really blame them nearly as much. I, I've mellowed a lot with regard to my parents. I, they went through a lot of tough things themselves, and they, uh, they're gone. But my kids are really close to me, and I encourage both of them in their own way. I go down to see my boy play slow pitch down here locally, and a kid said the other night, a few, maybe it was a few weeks ago, when Jay, my boy is 38, hit a long ball and got a double, and a boy said, who was 22, hey, is this guy uh, related to you? I said, that's my boy. Jesus, you know, for an old man, he hit a long ball. <laughs> and I said, uh, well, I'm 62, and I don't bat at all anymore. But I went down there. The important thing is I went down there to see him because I wanted to go. And I knew it was a big thing for the way he said it. Would you come down and watch me play ball? That's the clue. They're not going to get down and beg or jump up and down. You just got to go down and do it and see the guy. And it was a fun evening. And my daughter, I've encouraged her. Uh, I, in my book, um, she wrote a, a poem to me on uh, when I turned 60. And I put it in my book. I felt it was that important. I had. It's interesting that the publisher said, well, I mean, it's one thing that's your daughter, but why would you, you know? And I said, hey, just don't question it, man. Put it in there. I said, it's the quality of what she's saying. It's the meter. It's the rhythm. Just put it in there, all right? If it doesn't sell, then it, blame it on me. Um, well, I, I think in... In my field, there's a term called, we'd have to negotiate. <laughs> oh. oh, I got it. Well, Barney uh, says baseball. I, I think uh, really, I'll do a couple of things that I... Oh. Uh, I'll give you three kinds of um, sports which are fairly popular. Uh, one, in watching um, the last remaining hours of the Lakers and the Sonics, Pat Riley, I never saw a guy, it's interesting, it all seemed to be this. I never saw a man look at a clock so many times. That's when time is really important to be so simple to do this, you know. <laughs> That's why I'm not a basketball coach. But I, uh, I played some ball. I, uh, I was a relief pitcher. And uh, very strange, as I'm strange now, uh, it's interesting, my coach would come out to me uh, and say, just play baseball. Don't do this. But you see, later on, about, it seemed like a hundred years later, the Mad Hungarian, mm. how about Oil Can Boy? A lot of these dudes came out getting as much as a million, two million dollars for sale. Doing all kinds of things, you know, eventually throw the ball. Sight the guy a little bit. Uh, I said to Bob Hope one time, is Bob is a big, big golfer. It's an interesting thing about golfers. I know there are many golfers here. 
only reason I don't like golf is because I can't play it. <laughs> uh, I also had to caddy. And I think what's going to have to be done in the future, I know golfers will probably stone me and beat up on me. That's okay. I think we've got to get rid of cemeteries, got a lot of water, and the dead people don't get up. Uh, and, and, and the golf greens are wonderful, but, you know, a guy gets in the funny cart. Bob, I think it's your turn. <laughs> um, Mark Twain said it's a, a wonderful way to, it's a terrible way to, uh, you know, ruin a wonderful walk. Um, but I, I, I had to caddy, and when it was, you know, when you got 25 cents for two bags of iron, it's not much fun. And I've never seen too many people happy at golf. It's always, you know, I said, it would be a girl, a chick, a hell of a day, isn't it? You all belong to the club? You don't? I like to fish a lot. The only thing is in casting, a lot of times, you hook a guy. and it, You don't mean to. I mean, you know, if you're fly casting and you... Oh, Bob, I'm sorry. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, okay, here, let me, let me, let me... Here, just stand still. There. Okay. Oh. Oh. I'll tell you how big it is when we weigh it out. Uh, at any rate, um, again, I, I want to thank each and every one. Everything is from me, certainly. Uh, that's all I can tell you. There's no big uh, golden goodies here. Uh, it's a lot of hard work. And uh, I leave you with um, one thing that a man wrote, big writer, and he said a lot. You know, I may have said this before, but I think hope it's worth it. His Somerset mom said, only the mediocre are always at their best. Um, they, uh, and last but not least, I leave you with this. We that are uh, in the fourth quarter, you may not think you are, and that's your privilege. I know I'm in the fourth quarter. It doesn't bother me nearly as much as it used to. Because of no other reason, not success, in that I've seen these two kids of mine come along and grow up. That's what it's all about, or was and is to me. Whether their great successes doesn't make any difference to me. They're successful here, and they're extremely successful there. Attaching figures to it doesn't make any difference. Uh, if I tend to get carried away with my kids uh, and talking about them, uh, that can get a little, you know, people say, please, you know. Well, hey. They're my kids. Uh, they're all I've got. But 
the thing is that uh, I went in the other day, and I don't say this many times, I'm uh, misinterpreted in my own field uh, by my peers and by the young people that are hoping to be peers. And I walked in the other day and I said, I mentioned a couple of seconds ago or a couple of minutes ago about rejection, something we all live with. And if you're, uh, the thing is, is just to get ready for it because it's going to happen with your writing and uh, with your living, with your running, uh, with whatever. I went up to, a, to get a job the other day and I say, you know, you should be used to it by this time at 62 and a half years of age, I should be used to rejection. But you never get used to it. It's like losing. It's all in that same category. It's not much fun. But it's how you handle it. And I walked into an office, about 28 stories up in uh, Century City, and I had the script, which uh, was three pages, with three pages all I was to read, which is all right. Some guy said, do you read? Do you have to read? Do you have to audition? I said, after Brando put cotton in his face, I audition, because that's how he got the Godfather. And he went back and bought Tahiti. So uh, I'm just, I want to get carbonaria. So uh, any rate, uh, I never had a chance to really read the thing. And I'm not kidding about this. It, it happens, not that it happens often. It's just once is enough. The book that you've worked on for months and years, only to have somebody say, you have to be kidding. You wrote this? Yeah, boy, there's a lot of sweat and blood. And God, I almost lost my wife. And I... <laughs> Mm, it's been bad. Well, throw it out, you know, it's, it's no good. Well, I walked up to these three young guys, all of uh, that top age was 34. Not to say they weren't bright, and not to say that they didn't own that territory and put together a, a pretty good uh, movie company, but it's what they said. I was introduced to three guys, and the third guy turned to me and he said, you know, Jonathan, I've heard a lot of stories about you. And I was turned off just like that. They could have mentioned eight million dollars and I'd still taken a walk to that elevator and I said, they're all true. Incidentally, I've heard nothing about you. <laughs>